0: You're listening
1: to a Centro Church Podcast. Hey, tonight we have uh, we have two of our young guns preaching tonight. We have uh, Dina Formanez. And we have Johnny Evans. right? And uh, I'm excited, you know, that we get to hear from these guys tonight. But before they come out, I just want to, I guess, remind us of something. There was this guy in the Bible named Paul, and he went around... Uh, planting churches. But who knows, you know, you're only one person. So what he did was when he left this church, he sent one of his young understudies to take on the church. So he sent this young guy to go and lead adults, to go and lead families, to go and lead a community. And he said this to Timothy. He said, listen, you're young. Don't let people look down on you because of your age. He said this to him. But be an example in speech speech be an example in love, be an example in purity, right? Be an example in faith and teach the church the Scriptures. And then he said this, remember that you've been prophesied over. So speak out what God's spoken to you. That's what Paul says to this young leader. Timothy ends up leading probably one of the greatest churches, right? You know, And, and, and was a part of church planting himself. At a young age, he did all this. Let me tell you tonight, tonight isn't about our young guys getting a crack. But tonight is about our young gun leaders getting up, taking the scripture and prophesying into our lives what God is saying to us. let me tell you, these two young people that are coming up, Dina and Johnny, they are examples of purity. They're examples of love. They're examples of faith and speech. And I know that they've studied their word tonight to bring us some gold, to bring us some food, right? for our souls tonight. And so why don't you get yourself into a position right now where you can be ready to receive from God all that He has for you through His Word. And let's welcome to the stage, Dina Formanis! Woo! Hey
2: guys. How are you this evening? That's good. Ah, oh, thanks, Finn. <laughs> um, hi. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dina. I've been here for three years, you may have seen me around, Um, but I'd just like to say thanks to our pastors for giving me the opportunity to be here to preach you the word. So that's actually what we're preaching on, opportunity. So everyone's always looking for their big break, you know, their opportunity, Um, whether it be you're like in Hollywood movies, you're an aspiring actor, you want that, you know, big blockbuster film, or I don't know, if you got a job, you want to be promoted to a better position. Um, everyone, I'm sure whatever your situation is, you're always looking for that big opportunity. Sorry. Um, so, what is opportunity? So, like with any beginning of a preaching, let's begin with a definition. So, opportunity is a time or set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. So, again, I'll repeat a time of, or set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. So, the word opportunity often has good connotations to it. You know, um, someone presents you with an opportunity; it's a good thing of where um, it'll take you where you want to be. Um, you never think of it an opportunity as a bad circumstance. Like, how can good things come out of bad situations? You always ask yourself that. Um, no one. So that's what we're trying to teach you now. So no one said it was easy, but that's the title of our um, preaching. So. It shouldn't be, but it shouldn't be too hard to turn difficult situations into opportunities. So, you know, you always hear people say to you, make your own opportunities. So that's what we're preaching on. Um, And just to add, um, before we start, if you see God in your opportunities, I guarantee you that you will always be a step closer to a breakthrough. So let's pray. So dear Lord, I thank you for the word that you've given us. I pray that these people will receive it with open hearts, open minds, Lord, um, and just learn from it and apply it in their daily lives. Amen. So I'm going to begin with a dilemma I recently had. So I'm at uni. I'm an engineering student. I'm on my second year, just finished our final, well, not final exams, but our semester one exams. Um, And let's just say I wasn't doing too well with one of my units, one of my maths units, don't start an assignment on the day, guys, just saying, that's not very good. <laughs> um, but I went into the exam, I needed like half my exam to pass, and I just, I knew I wasn't gonna get it. I knew, I accepted it, I, w- I didn't want to accept it, but I knew, I was like, I'm not, good. I'm not gonna pass this. So I go into the exam, I'm like, oh, I'll do my best. Aim for part marks, as we all do most of the time. Um, but I sat down, and I blanked out. Literally forgot everything I learned, I blanked out. Um, and I was worried. And you know what's even more worrying when you're in an exam and you see other people around you writing really fast because they know all the answers and you're like, oh no. And what's even more worrying is when people actually leave the exam halfway before the exam finishes and you're like, oh no. And you've got nothing on your sheet. So that was my dilemma. I'm not I'm gonna leave the ending till later. Um, but yeah, you may have your own dilemma in your life and that's just itching at the back of your head right now. And you may say to yourself, oh, my problems are way worse than your exam dilemma. And that may be the case, I can't compare. Um, So at this point, just keep your own dilemma in the back of your head, Um, and we're gonna try apply this three-step plan I have right here to making an opportunity out of that difficult situation. So, cause not much happens in my life to demonstrate on tonight. We're gonna use Joseph the dreamer, so you all probably know him from Genesis. We're gonna use his life story as an example. So you may have read the story or seen the movie, but if not, here's a snapshot of his life. So his life goes pretty up and down. So here's just a quick um, life story of Joseph. So, well, he's the youngest. Well, not the youngest, but he's one of the youngest out of more than ten siblings. Um, basically, he's like the favorite son of his father. Um, he, his father gave him a colorful coat, and then I guess one day he said to his family that he had a dream that they were going to bow down to him and. Imagine someone in your family coming up to you, be like, "That's ridiculous. That's never gonna happen." So yeah, so pretty much he did that with them. His brothers got really jealous, um, and because I guess they hated him so much for that, they placed they placed him in a pit one day, and they actually sold him um, as a slave to the Egyptians. Pretty intense. Um, but then after that, he actually took charge over his master's household. He became in charge of all of the servants there. But then again, it goes down when the master's wife actually wanted to have um, sexual sh- relations with him. Um, and then he said no. So she accused him of advancing on her, I guess, just payback. <laughs> and then after that, he was thrown in jail. Pretty bad again. Um, but then after that, he actually earned the respect of the jailer and became in charge of everyone in the jail. So up again. And then while he was in jail, there were those two men um, they both had dreams, um, and he helped them interpret those dreams, and they both came true. So, and one of the men actually returned as Pharaoh's cupbearer. I'm not sure if we have those nowadays. I'm not even sure what it is. Um, <laughs> but he returned as a cupbearer. And then I don't know, years later, Pharaoh had a dream. Um, and the cop remem- the cup remember. The cupbearer remembered Joseph. Um, so they brought him in. Joseph uh, interpreted the Pharaoh's dream. And again, he was correct. So yeah, Pharaoh saw good in him and he became second in command of all of Egypt, basically. So that's his up and down life story. We're going to use that as an example of making opportunities. So like I said, three steps. So this, yeah, three steps, three questions, but I'm going to leave the first step slash question till the end. So yeah, the first one is, question you should ask is, second, sorry. What is God trying to teach me? So, whenever you're presented with a situation, ask yourself, what is God trying to teach me? So, this stage, I would say, is the preparation stage. So, you know, at school, you're giving information to study, or at work, you're giving new details for a job, or if if you're me, you graduated high school, and you're faced with situations of being an adult, cough, cough, financial situations. Um... Yeah, so throughout those things, you go through a process and you learn new things where you can apply it to later situations. So, again, when you're faced with a tough situation, ask yourself, What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to prepare me for? The next, well, the third question you should ask yourself is, Where is God trying to lead me? So, again, where is God trying to lead me? This is the destination stage. So, you may not always know the answer to that immediately. It may come later on in life. It's not instantaneous. It won't come at the time of the event. You just have to take time and think about it. Um, but if you take time to consider where, what God has taught you, to so he's, what He's prepared you for in that preparation stage, to where God is leading you, to where He's destined you for, then, you know, yeah, it's good. Um, so, yeah, we'll begin... Um, analyzing Joseph's story with those questions. So basically two events. So the first one is Joseph sold to slavery. So, I mean, you thought your siblings were mean to you. Joseph's siblings wanted to kill him. That's pretty extreme. Um, Yeah, can you just imagine? So they pretty much pushed him into, a. I think it was a cistern is what it says, but most people say pit. I'll just say pit for now because I don't actually know what a cistern is. So they pushed him in a cistern. Can you just imagine him pleading for his life? And it's hard to think, like, if your siblings pushed you into a pit, weird, but um, it's hard to think you'll want to see good out of that situation. Like, it's hard to think that situation is an oppor- opportunity. Um, but Joseph did make an opportunity out of it. So, so I guess if you imagine yourself, you're Joseph, you're in the pit. Ask Second question you ask yourself, what is God trying to teach me? What is he trying to teach him when he's there? I guess, don't hold grudges. Love, forgive your siblings. And then, where is God trying to lead me? So, Joseph actually says so himself in Genesis 45, verse 5. If, that, if you have your Bible, or <laughs> it'll be up on there. So, he says, And now, do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God set me he- ahead of you. Sorry. And then in verse 8, it says, It was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of Egypt. So in the situation, um, when he was thrown into the pit, um, he would have asked, what is God trying to teach me? He was trying to teach me to love, to forgive, to not hold grudges. And then that was a preparation stage. So that later on, when... um, yeah, later on in life, where is God trying to lead me? His destination was, um, as he said, um, fa- father of oh, entire of his hearts and ruler of Egypt. That's one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, again, it won't, you won't know where God's trying to lead you on the on this situation day. But as from what Joseph had, Joseph learned and then later on he was led. Um, the next one is, so the next situation, Joseph accused of sexual relations and then he was put to prison. So I guess what is God trying to teach him there? Um, He withstood temptation. Um, He was patient in prison. He was there for many years. And I guess most importantly, he learned to respect his Egyptian master as well as his heavenly father. So if you turn to Genesis 39, verse 8 to 10, it says, But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has trust, entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So again, what is God trying to teach him? He withstood temptation, um, and he respected his master and, and you know his, the authority had over against him. Next one is, again, next question. What is God, where, sorry, is God trying to lead me? So in, those, in that situation, God tested Joseph, and he passed the test. He learned to respect, and in turn, later in life, he was given that respect. So, you know, God led that way for him, and he, he followed. So, and God led him to greater positions of authority. So, so these opportunities from, you know, being sold to slavery or being accused, being put to prison, all of those he made into opportunities, um, which led him to a breakthrough, so he was given that opportunity again to interpret Pharaoh's dream, which gained Pharaoh's respect, and he was appointed second in command. So those are the first two questions, now you get to know the first question, so those are the last two questions, now you get to find out the first question. So the first question, that stage, is the transformation stage. So it's a really pivotal stage in how you'll answer question two and three. And you really have to comprehend this. And the key factor here is God. Um, so what drew my eye was what was said after every situation Joseph faced. So after the slavery situation, after being um, accused, after being put into prison, things like that. So if we, for the slavery situation, this was what was said in Genesis 39, verse two to four. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Now, if you turn to Genesis thirty nine, twenty one to twenty-three, this is when he was accused and then put into prison. This is what was said afterwards. So the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in prison and all those—oops, sorry—all those he held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever we did. And then I guess this one wasn't really a bad situation, but when he was given the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream, in Genesis 41, verse 16, Joseph says, "I cannot do it," Joseph replied to Pharaoh, "But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires." So I don't know if you saw, but it's pretty obvious that all those things relate to in Joseph's situation, all of them acknowledge that God was with him. God was with Joseph. Um, and in Romans 8:31. Everyone knows that verse. If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, if God is for us, who can be against us? So if your trust, I guess if you're new, if your trust with God isn't there yet, you're kind of iffy, you may ask, you know, what's in it for me to trust God? Well, the answer is God's in it for you. So when no one else is, God's in it for you all the way. He's rooting for you. So if that wording's kind of confusing. Um, even better, so the first question you should always ask in the three-step plan is who is in it with me? Again, who is in it with me? So when you ask who is in it with me, this changes your viewpoint. This transform you. This is the start of the transformation stage. You become less selfish. When you ask who's in it with you, you're reminded of God. You're reminded of his agenda and not just yours as you go through life. You see God and, I, and I, in every opportunity, and I guarantee you, again, you're one step closer to reaching the breakthrough. So don't be afraid because fear paralyzes us. But again, faith sees breakthrough. So the three questions, who isn't it with me? What is God trying to teach me? Where is God trying to lead me? So if you haven't been in church, things like that, or again, I say you're iffy with God. You've been through situations. He's let you down heaps. You can always be saying, oh, I've hit rock bottom. There's no other place to go but down. Um, You know, God's continually letting me down. Um, Just, yeah, remember this, that sometimes God lets you reach rock bottom so you can remember that he is the rock at the bottom. So God lets you reach rock bottom so you will remember that he is the rock at the bottom. So you have nothing to lose, nothing to lose trusting in God, um, letting him guide you through life. So like I said, it's not easy. It's not easy making opportunities out of difficult situations. But but as those words say, it shouldn't be too hard to turn what seems a hopeless case into a hopeful case. So, and yeah, add a sprinkle of faith and you'll reach the victory that God planned for you at the start. So to finish my exam dilemma turned opportunity, um, let us recap. So I sat in the exam, my mind's blanked. I panicked. I worried. I was aiming for part marks. I didn't answer one question, and there were only three questions in the exam. So I was quite worried. Um, and I, I guess I hadn't studied as much, so that was partly my fault. But I asked myself those three questions. Who is in it with me? God. God's in it with me. Before every exam, I pray. Unprepared, very prepared, I always pray before my exam. What is God trying to teach me? Well, when I worried, I guess I learned to trust, and not just trust that God will you know, help me pass, but whatever the outcome, I'll depend on Him, um, not on my own wisdom, and I guess I'll be prepared more next time and study earlier. And lastly, where is God trying to lead me? So after that little scare while I was in the exam, and the idea of additional fees to my hex debt... Um, God led me to realize that I have been neglecting my studies, Um, I guess. Yeah, he led me to realize that my organization skills weren't as well, but it also gave me some determination on how to handle my upcoming semesters at uni. So, yeah, so from my lazy procrastination stage, I learned from those situations from that exam. Um, Where is God trying to lead me to the destination stage? in achieving good grades, so, you know, be more responsible in how um, I handle my studies. So, you know, that may be little, what you learn from your situation, things like that, but in the long run, it'll, it'll be effective, and ag- again, it may not be easy with difficult situations, but no one said it was easy, but it shouldn't be too hard to turn your challenges into opportunities. you got a challenge, an opportunity, bring God, it, bring God in, you have a breakthrough. So, just to finish on a good note, I miraculously passed my exam, guys. Praise Jesus! Thank you. And now we have Johnny coming up on the stage.
0: Awesome! Give it up again for Dean, and that was great. Uh, get my notes out. All right, so I'm I'm following the same path pretty much is what Dina has been talking about. It shouldn't be too hard. And she's talking about opportunities there. And I'm, I'm just continuing that and talking about how to make the most of the opportunity. So essentially, like, how to make the most of your life, I guess. Like, living a life to your fullest potential. I'm sure everyone here doesn't want to settle for just a mediocre life, just um, sitting around, doing nothing, happy to go with the norm, go with the flow kind of thing, you know. We want to live to our fullest potential, and God calls us to our fullest potential. And even if you're not a Christian here tonight, you know, um, there'll be an opportunity for that later for you to make that decision. But it's also something that, you know, even non Christians, you want to live a full life. You want to live to the fullest potential. You don't want to uh, sit around doing nothing, I guess, you know. And we're always seeking something. When often people are asked, you know, what do you seek in life? You often say happiness, I guess. Happiness would be something that people often say they're seeking, but they seek it in the wrong things most of the time, you know, in relationships or in material things like cars, houses, or clothes, or even food. People, are, people like being happy from food and things like that, but that, it doesn't last. It's not lasting happiness, you know. We shouldn't necessarily seek happiness directly, but we should seek God and you'll find happiness in God. It says in Psalm 16 verse 11, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You know, we will be joyful in his presence. So, all we need to do is seek his presence and we can be joyful. You know, as Dina said, being a follower of Christ isn't a call to an easy life. It's not always easy to do things, you know, but it is easy. I'll explain. It isn't easy because we face many challenges and be pushed out of our comfort zone all the time as a Christian. You know, we, some people think that when you become a Christian, you know, you don't face any more challenges, like everything goes right for you or something like that. But unfortunately, as much as that'd be great, it isn't the case. We still go through challenges and we still have hard times. And we're also pushed out of our comfort zone. You know, we're called to make disciples. So you might be walking through a shopping centre or something like that, and God just speaks to you and tells you to talk to someone, you know, evangelise that person and tell them about God. And you might feel that that's not your thing, you're kind of introverted and you don't feel like that, but God calls us out of our comfort zone to step out in faith and believe, believe for that. I'll tell you why it is easy. It is easy because the Holy Spirit is always with us and the victory has already been won by Jesus Christ. So we don't have to worry. Although it may be a challenge, although it may be uncomfortable for us, we don't actually have to worry because God has already won the victory and the Holy Spirit and Jesus is always with us. In John 16, 33, it says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus said that he overcame the world. He's overcome all the problems that you'll ever face. So you don't have to worry about that. Have peace in him, it says. I want to tell you a story. Well, it's kind of a story that everyone's probably experienced. You know, when you were younger and, you know, you're making toast or something like that and you wanted jam on toast, so you went to get the jam out, but it wasn't open yet. So you had to open the jar up and you were struggling. You couldn't open it. Um, And so your dad, mom, or whoever it was, brother came, and they said, hand it over, and you hand it over, and they just opened the jar just like that. And, of course, he loosened it. Like, of course, that was the case. But, um, But I think, more or less, God is like that sometimes. Like, when we have our problems, we're struggling with them, we're trying to solve them, we're trying to do it on our own. But God is there, and he's saying, just hand it over to me, and I can just solve that problem for you. Like, it's not a problem to God. So... One, give your problem to God. You know, He can't help you if you try and solve the problem yourself. If i you know, if you kept that jar and just kept on trying, then He can't help you, your parent or whoever it was. But, you know, God can't help you. In 1 Peter 5, 7 it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. God cares about you. He wants to help you, so let Him. Just give your problem to Him, and you've got to... Secondly, you also got to have faith and trust that God can do it. In James 1, 2-4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So even there, it talks about having joy, joy in your trials. And you've got to trust God. It says your faith is tested. So you've got to trust in Him. You need to trust in God wholeheartedly in these situations. And like Dina said before, fear can cripple us, it can paralyze us, but we shouldn't be afraid because God is with us. And I'm using the same verse that Dina used in Romans eight thirty-one: if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is no one. It's as simple as that, like God is with us, so the answer is no one can be against us. And we talk about being on fire for something in life, you know, or someone's on fire, like in football, like soccer, if someone scores a hat-trick or something like that, you'd say, he's on fire, or, you know, in rugby tries, he's on fire, and stuff like that. And if you've been around church for long enough, you've probably heard the term that um, on fire for God, you know, we're on fire for God. But often, it's not associated with like a constant fire for God, it's kind of like, oh, he was on fire for God, you know, perhaps initially is on fire for God when he got the fresh revelation Um, of love from God, and then it kind of dies out, and we become lukewarm, and it says in Revelation 3.16, but since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth, so don't be lukewarm, we don't need to be lukewarm, we need to be on constantly on fire for God, how can we do this? We have to feed our spirit, we have to fuel your fire, there's a number of things that you can fuel your fire with, number one, God's word, in 1 Peter 2 verse 2 it says, In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. We need to seek God's word like that. We need to wake up every morning and we need to seek God's like, like an infant that needs milk. We need to grow and be strong in our Christian walk. You know, we don't want um, to just read a chapter so it satisfies your conscience, or you can say on Sunday that, oh yeah, I've read my Bible this week, or something like that. We want to delve deep into the Word. You know, we want to use that um, so that we can grow in maturity and be strong for life. Another point, number two, attending church. You know, we're talking about being on fire for God, and when you pull a red-hot coal is pulled out of fire, it will turn, eventually it will turn into a cold white ember, just sitting on the side wherever it is, you know. And that can be like that with, you know, Christians. If we're pulled out of a community and we're not fellowshipping with other believers, we can lose our fire. But fellowshipping with other believers who are on fire will help maintain your fire. There may be some people here that are dwindling in their fire or, you know, perhaps they're not as on fire. But I know there is other people here that are on fire for God. And you guys, we just need to encourage each other so that we can all be on fire for God. In Hebrews ten twenty-four to 25, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near." So it says, let us not neglect our meeting together. So we need to come on a Sunday and we need a fellowship with other believers and encourage each other to f- and we can fuel our fires that way. And I'd encourage you also not just to come on a Sunday, but get connected to a life group because that is where you can be more personal and deliberate in fueling each other's fires and um, encouraging each other. Third point, don't discount the supernatural. Never suffocate the supernatural. Let it add to your fire. So the supernatural is within us. You know, Jesus is within us. The Holy Spirit is always with us. And we say, often we say we're praying and believing for things, you know. But are we just praying because that's what we are being told to do? That's what, how we've been grown up, like grown up in church perhaps, and you've always been told to pray and believe for these things. But are we really praying and believing? I have a story that um, my mate was telling me the other day that, He said, um, when they were at Bible College, when they went out for lunch, every time before they went out for lunch, they would pray for a parking spot. They would pray and believe for a parking spot. And they would go, and they would say, before they even got there, they would say, perhaps, you know, fifth row, fourth car park on the left, or something like that. And he said, the amount of times they didn't get it, he could count on one hand. Like, because they got it almost every time. Because they just prayed and believed um, that that would come through. And that's... A small example, that's a car park, but you can, you can pray and believe, and you've got to pray and believe um, that that will come through for you. And sometimes we're looking for only practical answers. And don't get me wrong, practical answers are sometimes how God you know, reveals it to you, but, but we've, got to be, we've got to believe that the Holy Spirit and supernatural power can actually have an impact in that. We've got to believe that. So as the band joins me, I'll just quickly recap. So how do we make the most of the opportunity of a life with God? How do we live our life to the fullest potential that God has called us to? Number one, we seek Him. We seek Him with everything. Jeremiah 29.13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. In other words, it says, If you seek Him with everything you got, with all your heart, then you will find Him. You will know Him. Do we want to know God, church? I want to be a church that knows God. I want to be a church that... I want to be a person that knows God, you know? We don't want to just know of Him. Number two, we trust in Him. He is always with us, you know? No matter what, He is always with us and nothing can stand against. We need to trust that in our trials and problems that He has already won the victory, that He is with us, and that nothing can stand against. And number three, we have to be on fire for Him. Don't become lukewarm. We need, if you need to ask yourself, have I become lukewarm, then you know, answer that question honestly and then change it because you need to work to fuel your fire. You need to work. You need to read God's Word. You need to press into it like an infant that needs milk you know, so we can grow strong. You need to attend church so other fellow believers can encourage you and build your fire. And we need to believe in the supernatural power of God, that he can have an impact in our lives and that the miracle can come through. I'm just going to pray and I'll hand over to Pastor Tim. Dear God, I thank you for everyone here tonight, Lord. I thank you that um, that you love every single one of us, Lord. And I pray that uh, you give these people here a fresh revelation, Lord, a fresh fire, Lord. And if their fire is dwindling and they think, they're becoming lukewarm, Lord, that I pray that they can just be encouraged by other believers, God. They can be encouraged by your word. They can be um, encouraged by your Holy Spirit and your supernatural power, Lord. And I thank you for everyone here, Lord, that, that during the week they can just, you know, think about this message and think about what you, you have revealed to them, Lord, and they can become on fire for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Yeah. Come on, let's get up for Johnny and Dina tonight. So good. If God is for you, who can be against you? That's just a good reminder, isn't it? And uh, sometimes God might allow you to reach rock bottom because he is the rock at the bottom. That was brilliant. That was so good. Here's a thought tonight. I love what Dina said and then Johnny finished it up. Dina said this, you don't know... Uh, uh, sorry, coming to church, but maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, What's in it for me tonight? Wasn't it for me coming to church? Wasn't it for me tonight? I'll tell you what it is. Dina said, God is. God's in it for you. And then Johnny said this, Because you can know God. Let me tell you, you might be here tonight and maybe you feel like you don't know God. Maybe you came to church. You're like, ah, come visit, I'll come check it out, you know, see what's in it for me kind of mentality, right? I'll tell you what's in it for you, God. And this is the good news. You can know God personally.
2: Thank you for listening to this podcast.